Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're not going to do a recap on last week. We called it the objection section. Let's just read 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you were to read 1 Corinthians chapter 11, when you go home, you'll find it's where Paul, um, he amplifies that which the Lord had instituted in the breaking of bread. And then, of course, he ascends to heaven. Now, chapter 12, the Holy Ghost comes down. End of chapter 13, 14. Okay, so if you look at it like that. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away unto these dumb idols, even as you were led. Wherefore I give unto you understanding that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed. Notice the capital S for the Holy Spirit, not his own spirit. The Holy Spirit. Calleth Jesus accursed. And that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. Now, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but the same God which worketh all in all. Now, throughout our study, we're going to look at these diversities of gifts, differences of administrations, and diversities of operations. They'll all come as we go through the study week by week. Notice, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit withal. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom. To another, the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. It's capital S, the Holy Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, the gifts of healing by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. Notice small s now. To another, divers or various kinds of tongues. To another, interpretation of tongues. But all these worketh that one and self same spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will, that is, as the spirit will. For as the body is one, and hath many members, and all the members of that body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we are all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have made, been all made to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? 
But now hath God set members, every one of them in the body, as it hath pleased him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, nor the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more those members of the body, which seem to be more feeble, are necessary. Let's stop there. There are nine gifts of the Spirit mentioned in 1 Corinthians 12. Nine are mentioned. And when I said 1 Corinthians 11, the Lord Jesus breaks bread, and we're told around the table what to do, then we know after that he's crucified, goes to the tomb, he rises from the grave, he goes and he, he ascends into heaven. So his physical, literal body of Christ is ascended into heaven, but he sends the Holy Spirit. We looked at that last week, how he's the baptizer in the Spirit, and he sends the Spirit in Acts chapter 2. And the Holy Spirit lives now in the church. So the church is his body. You are the body of Christ. The Spirit of God, who was in and anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power as the Father of the anointed him, now hath anointed you with the Holy Ghost and power. So you and I are Christ's hands, feet, and as Paul says here, eyes and ears and so on. But the spiritual gifts of the, of the Holy Spirit must be working through us. So Paul mentions nine gifts. Now, I'm not going to break them all down today. These are going to be happening. This is a study. I'm going to really delve into this for you and take it out and show you over the next few weeks. But here are the nine gifts if you want to write them down. First of all, we have the word of wisdom. We have the word of wisdom. Secondly, we have the word of knowledge. The word of wisdom, the word of knowledge. Thirdly, we have the gift of faith. Fourth, we have gifts of healing. Fifthly, we have working of miracles. Sixth is prophecy. Seventh is discerning of spirits. Eighth is divers kinds of tongues. And the ninth one is interpretation of that tongue. Okay? So that's the nine of them that are listed in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now, we know when the Lord Jesus was baptized in Jordan, Matthew 3, for example, that the Holy Spirit came down upon him and anointed him for his ministry at 30 years of age. And the voice from heaven came saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And we know when the Spirit came upon the Lord Jesus to anoint him, that it came in the form, bodily form, like a dove. Now, this isn't to build a, a theology, but I'm going to tell you something just by the way. Okay, so please don't think I'm putting this into the theology of the thing. But it's by the way. Do you know that uh, if you go around most towns and cities, you know, we, see, we see pigeons, you know, the street pigeons. We used to call them in Belfast street pickers. Did you used to call them street pickers too? The wee pickers, okay. 
Well, those fur-eyed pigeons, many of them look like what's known as a rock dove. They're very, very close, and they originated around the Middle East. The rock dove lived in rocks and in cliffs and was sometimes called the rock pigeon in later times. But do you know that the rock dove, it actually has nine major flight feathers on each wing. It has nine major flight feathers. That's the long feathers at the end. Nine of them are on each wing. Now, this is just strange because the Holy Spirit comes in the shape of a dove. Now, the rock pigeon, I'm told, that it can, ha- it can be released like a homing pigeon and it'll find its way home. You know, you get events where people release pigeons or doves, and these little fawn-tailed doves, and they don't go far. They can't fly far, but they land in trees or buildings. And a lot of the times, if they can't be caught, they have to be left, and they die. They can't find their way home. These little white sort of fawn-tailed doves and so on. And so if you even go on to some websites, they'll say, don't release these little doves because they can get lost, and, and they can either eat on the ground, then there's fear of cats, and of course on rooftops they're afraid of birds of prey. But the rock dove can find its way home. Now when we're looking at this also, we can find that this uh, is stranger because in Deuteronomy 32, five times, God is called the rock. Deuteronomy 32, he's called the rock. And then if you were to go to Uh, Matthew 16, Jesus says, On this rock I will build my church. The revelation that the Father through the Spirit gave to Peter, that he was the Christ, the Son of the living God. This is the rock, see? So it's spiritual rock. And then 1 Corinthians chapter 10, if you read it, Moses brings Israel through the Red Sea and under the cloud. And Paul says, Our fathers were baptized unto Moses. And they drank of that, that rock that followed them. They drank of that spiritual rock. And he says, that rock was Christ. So just by the way, since there are nine major flight feathers on a dove, is it strange that there are nine gifts of the Spirit mentioned here? But that's only one wing, if I can call it. If you'll go with me then to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. Now to arrive on down, almost the end of the chapter, verse 22. Paul says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. This is known as the fruit of the Spirit. Now, there are, if you can call it, there are nine segments of fruit here. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, faith, goodness, meekness, and temperance. There are nine segments of the fruit of the Spirit. So here in the church, we are to have the fruit of the Spirit. There's nine flight feathers to make a church into what it should be by the Holy Ghost. And there are nine other flight feathers, if you want, of the gifts of the Spirit. And we have read those nine gifts out from 1 Corinthians 12. Now, if we can emulate those as a church, 
as an assembly, if the church in general was to emulate those, then guess what? We would fly. The only fruit and the only gift, really, um, that is held above all others is love. Paul mentions that if we don't love and we have all these gifts and speak with tongues and all this sort of stuff, he says you're nothing. You're like a tinkling cymbal on a sounding brass. So whenever we are looking at this, really, we have to ask, should a church do without the fruit of the Spirit? Notice it's a capital S in Galatians 5. Should the church do without the fruit of the Spirit? And the idea for everyone is absolutely not. Every church will teach you we must seek to have the fruit of the Spirit. But yet when it comes to the gifts of the Spirit, well, no, we don't need those anymore. Well, you know, there are churches and they're seeking for the fruit of the Spirit, and I, I agree they should, and I think it's great that they are, but there's one thing we have to look at. A bird can't fly with one wing. We need the gifts of the Spirit in the church. Can the church, the Christian church, glorify God without practicing both? And that's a question for you. Can you and I in our lives? I don't believe we're fully glorifying God in our lives without both. Allowing the Spirit to work in us. Yielding ourselves to the Spirit in fruit and in gifts. Then we have to say, do sometimes they, we feel or cease or the fruit of the Spirit, I mean, yes. Here's something a lot of people don't equate. The nine fruit, if I can call it, the nine segments of the fruit of the Spirit. If you and I could keep that 24-7 every day of the week, all of our lives. Do you know what you would be keeping? You would be keeping the law of God. That's the fullness of God's law. It's the fullness of the law. The problem is that we fail in the law. The law points to us that we're failing. And so also, we also fail at times in the fruit. We fail to love when we should. We fail to have faith when we should. We fail to be joyful when we should. You see where I'm coming from? And it's only through the Holy Spirit that we are, I'm, I'm praising God today, I'm full of joy. But God wants us to be full of joy on all occasions. That's really difficult. So should we strive for them? The answer is absolutely yes. Nine gifts and nine graces. Nine gifts and nine graces. So, Listen to what it says in Psalm 78 and verse 41 of Israel that they limited the Holy One of Israel. They limited God and what he would do. God was doing things and they started to say, yeah, well, but he'd done it before. I don't think he's the same to do it today. He opened the Red Sea. We sang about it. Israel, when you come out of the Red Sea and Miriam got her timbrels and everyone was praising, sure, and then he turned the, the bitter water into sweet water. Remember Israel? And they go, yeah, well, but that was a while back and he doesn't really do that today. 
And the, the scripture says they limited the Holy One of Israel. The word limited here is the word tavah. It means to mark out, to scratch or to chalk. They chalked the boundary for God. A line, as it were, around themselves. And he says, God, you can be God as far as this line. You can be God as far as we allow you. I'd say, Lord, that you can be God for as far as this line goes. I thought it was a voice from heaven there speaking to me. (laughs) (laughs) You're all right, Julian. But that's what they're saying. I would never say that, but we do. But we do. And many are. So the objection, someone might say, that's Old Testament. Yeah, it is. But here's the bigger detriment to you and I in the new covenant. The Holy Spirit came upon them. He lives in you. That's a bigger detriment to the church. He came upon them and they were able to hinder. The Holy Ghost comes to live in us. Now you are the body of Christ. So the Spirit of Christ lives in you. And since the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit, lives in you, then you and I should be more like Christ. In fruit and in gifts. So, in Mark 16, when he sends forth the disciples... The risen Lord sends forth the disciples. It says they went preaching the word of God. They went preaching Christ. Notice what it says, the Lord working with them, confirming the signs, the word of God. So what is wrong today is that many in the church say, we are limiting you to this chalk mark God. We want to seek one wing of your spirit. We want to seek the wing of nine flight feathers of the fruit. But we don't want to seek the other wing. We don't want the gifts. Can I make a suggestion why, as well, people don't? Because, you see, you look respectable when you're showing the fruit. Think about it. You look respectable when you're showing the fruit of the Spirit. Ah, but do you see those Pentecostals who show the operating the gifts of the Spirit, well, they are nuts. And so the church has been going like that for years. CET, I want us to do this. (laughs) Not that, I want us to fly. So when we look at this, see these first couple of weeks, these are just surface stuff. We're going to go into this with a shovel and a spade here. So when we, when we go into this, people say these things and they tell people that not for the day, they're not in use and all this, sort of, and they don't show them anything else. So then we ask the question, was the spiritual gifts just given for one local assembly of the church, the Corinthian church? Was the gifts just for there? Turn with me to the book of Romans, will you please? 
everybody goes to the book of Corinthians to show there is or isn't the working of the Spirit. It's simply because there's so much said about it. And it's as if, well, there was nowhere else it was used. Okay, the book of Romans, chapter 12. Let these gifts were Let your eyes just run down, please. Verse 4. Now, this is the church of God at Rome. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office. See, look, because someone else has something that you don't, you have something that someone else doesn't. And because someone moves, operates, or if you want, someone activates something that you don't, it means that doesn't mean you're any less. So when we look at this, we have verse 4, verse 5. So we being many are one body in Christ. Being many, we are one body in Christ. And everyone members of one another. There's unity. Verse 6. Having then gifts. Differing according to the grace that is given to us. Notice, whether prophecy... Let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. Our ministry, let us wait on our ministering. Or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation, or he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence, and he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Notice what Paul's saying here. He's mentioning prophecy. Spiritual gifts. He's mentioning the gifts of teaching. People are gifted at teaching. People say, well, I'm gifted at evangelism, or I'm gifted at teaching, or whatever. I'll be honest, I don't know what I'm gifted at. I just do whatever the Lord tells me, and I haven't got a gift. I just do what he puts on me. And so when we look at this, we can see it's not just in the, in the Corinthian church. Here's the Roman church now. That is the church of God at Rome. First Thessalonians, please, if you'll turn. Some people say, oh, those, you know, those, those Pentecostals, they don't read the Scriptures. And those Pentecostals, they, they don't believe the Scriptures. Or those Pentecostals, you know... They don't even study or expound the scriptures. And in many cases, they might be right. But this Pentecostal always wants people to know what they believe. Why we believe it. What the word of God says about it. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Let your eye run down. Verse 14. Paul says, Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly. Comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men. See that none render evil for evil to, unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Notice, quench not the spirit. 
despise not prophesyings. This is in another church now, in Thessalonica. Despise not prophesying, prove all things, hold fast to that which is good. Now, abstain from all appearance of evil. If you're doing something and you're not, you're saying, well, I'm innocent in it, but it looks wrong, stop it. <laughs> Simple as that. Don't do it. So then we have to ask, so then is it just for one church? And the answer we've seen there is no. We've seen it through the book of Acts last week as well. Okay, I'm conscious our time is gone because this morning the, the Lord just took us a different direction and that's okay. And that's okay. But let me finish up with another point before we go much further. Ephesians chapter 4, please. Ephesians chapter 4. Let your eye run down. To verse 29. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace to the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. By the way, uh, just for a, a little side note there, the word here, sealed, is also mentioned in Ephesians chapter 1. And verse 13, we were told that, in whom also you trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after you believed, ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. See the word sealed. The word sealed there gives the idea of a king sealing a letter, and it shall not be opened till it arrives at its destination, in the wax. Do you know what it also means? Confirmed. Confirmed. I'm not trying to be... I'm not trying to cause contention. I'm not trying to be um, hurtful. But I remember one fellow, and he went to a, a Pentecostal church, and it was a good, sound teaching one. And I remember when he went to it, he was doing well, and he left, and he went to the Church of Ireland. And they told him he had to be confirmed. He was a believer, born and baptized in water, born again of the Spirit. Bob told me he had to be confirmed. And he went and got confirmed, kissing the, the bishop's ring or whatever it is, and the, the nail and all the whole ridiculia. I'm not trying to hurt anyone, but here the word here is the Holy Spirit confirms. He's the sealer. He seals you in the body. And it's the same here in chapter 4. You're sealed unto when? What does it say? Chapter 4, verse 30. You're sealed unto... Somebody read it out. The day of redemption. Church, when are you sealed unto when? Is it until you make a mistake? No. Is it until you fail? When are you sealed till? You're sealed to the day of redemption. Full stop. You're saved. You're kept by God. And what are you, what or who are you sealed with? The Spirit of God. Now, so we're showing you here this for a reason. The word grieve here means don't distress. Don't cause the Spirit to be in heaviness. We looked last week at Matthew 12 when the Lord Jesus was, what his miracles that was being attributed by the Pharisees to that of Beelzebub. 
the devil. And Jesus called it blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. And people say the things that you're doing in the Spirit, oh, it's the devil. Be careful. Be careful, for that is blasphemy. If it's of God, it's blasphemy. Attributing the works of the, of the Spirit to the devil. This is our last part then. 1 Corinthians 12. What I want to do in another couple of weeks maybe is speak about, well, in the next, not next Sunday morning, but maybe the one after, or maybe after that. I want to show you and start delving into pneumatology, the doctrine of pneumatology. And, and that's the doctrine of the Spirit. But I'm going to look at the giftings of it. And when I look at it, I want you to see pneumatology. Do you ever see the, the men out and they're digging the roads? Boom, 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 boom. The big loud noises and they're banging away with a big drill on the road. The pneumatic drill. That's where pneumatology comes from. It's like the power of wind, the power of air. The compressing compulsion. So the pneumatology of God is the Spirit of God. And it should be in the church like a pulsating power. Boom, 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 boom. And what it does, it elevates Christ. Every time. Every time. 1 Corinthians 12, just to close. You were a wee bit late in anyway today, weren't you? <laughs> 1 Corinthians 12, let your eye run down, please. Just to almost the end of the chapter. Now, we're finishing at this because we're going to really dissect the gifts as we go on further in other weeks. Verse 28, and God hath set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that, what does it say? Miracles, gifts of healings, helps, governments. What does it say? They. Because tongues is such a, a vocal gift, that's why people always ask about it. But it's not the greatest one by far. Yes, some believe and may even push that for it to be the initial evidence of that baptism. But love is first. Prophecy is above it. The gift of prophecy is above it. Are all apostles? No. Are they? No. Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? No. Are all workers of miracles? No. Have all gifts of healing? No. Obviously the no's I'm putting them in there. It's not in another translation I'm reading. Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? but covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way. Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, have not charity or love, and become as a sounding brass and tinkling symbol. Let me finish here. The word set. Would you say set? Okay. The little word set is the word tithame. God hath set. Tithame. And it's the same word, it means firmly established. Some people think it means concretely in place. Okay? 
God hath set. In Genesis, write this down, we won't turn to it because it's time's gone. In Genesis 1, 16 and 17, you read how God set the stars in their place. Sun, the moon, the stars, and so on. Now, they're still there. It's the same word, only if you, it's Septuagint, if you, if you ever hear the word Septuagint, it means the Old Testament is in Greek, as the New Testament mainly is in Greek. So that's what Septuagint means, the Old Testament in Greek. And so the Old Testament in Greek, or the Septuagint, will tell you that the idea here is God is firmly established. He has set as though it were in concrete, the sun, the moon, and the stars, and so on. It's the same word where the Lord said to Noah when he comes off the ark after the flood, see, I have set my bow in the sky. Now, the thing is, is that they're every day. Well, whether it's in different countries or not, if I see it, I don't know. But one thing we know, it's still there. It still shows. It still happens. It's the same word, tithemi. And so when we come to 1 Corinthians 12, Verse 28, God hath set means he has firmly established these things. If you go back to verse 18, 1 Corinthians 12, 18, But now hath God set members, every one of them in the body, as it hath pleased them. Is that what it says? God has set members in the body because they kicked and screamed about it. Is that what it says? No. Because they were so wonderful, they thought, I'll give them a position in the body. That's not what it says. He firmly established members in the body as it pleased him. You know why? Because he is sovereign. So, brothers and sisters, we'll finish there because what we must remember is this. That what God has said, we can't take away. And what God has not said, we cannot add to. And we also have to do it like this then. Because he is God, he will do as he will in his church, with his people, in whatever way he deems fit. Now, if that means that the Spirit moving in the church and people are open and ready for the Spirit to move and to bless and to do what he's going to do, then we just have to yield ourselves and get out of the Start and finish point in time. I know here we don't really worry about that, but here's the start, here's the finish, and here's how we do it, and here's one song, stand up, sit down, here's two songs, stand up, sit down, let's lift the offering then, let's have a few wee prayers. And that's, that is not what God has set in place. God has set in place the body that the Spirit will move, operate, and work through it. Does that make more sense to you? No, that's when he's skimming the surface. At some point, I'd like to show you. I don't want to bore you with it. So I'm just trying to bring you somewhere different every, every morning. And I'm going to show you the difference in baptisms. I want to show you what it's... I'm going to tell you some devotional side of things or what has happened in my experience. And we'll share all of those things. But really, I want to show you that people say, well, it was maybe only in the church of Corinth, the church of Corinth. No, well, there's the Ephesian church, and there's the church of God at Rome, and there's the Thessalonican church. Let God, I, no. When we say let God be God, 
I think we know what we mean, don't we? We don't let him do anything. He's God and he'll do what he will in his own church. God bless his word to us this morning. Amen.